Tom, are you okay? I lost her. Her? She was going to be this epic, trilogy-worthy character. I was going to be the hottest writer in Hollywood. But I can't get past Act One! You need some writer's group therapy. Welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Are you ready for your session? The doctors are in. And if you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, share it with your friends. You can find us online at writersgrouptherapy.com and Twitter and Instagram at WG Therapy. Online, you can also find us individually. I'm Tom underscore Loveman on Twitter and Tom Loveman on Instagram. And I am at Roshni Lamino on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to give us a review if you're on uh, iTunes or any of those other platforms. Five stars is wonderful. (laughs) We'd love that. Thank you. (laughs) Speaking of stars, uh, we have a great guest with us today. Uh, She is the star of of, uh, my uh, writers, uh, not my writers, my uh, stand-up open mic thing I've been doing all summer since we've been locked down. Uh, We have Wendy Wilkins with us. Hi, Wendy. Hi, guys. Thanks to you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Yeah. It was great. Um, early this uh, in the pandemic, I have a friend who invited me to an online open mic night. And uh, at first, it just as the audience person, I was just watching. And then I, one of one of the uh, participants kind of became friends and and convinced me to start doing it. So I've been actually doing uh, writing stand up and doing it just in this small group setting. And that's where I met Wendy. Wendy is a very funny uh, lady. She has been in the industry for twenty five years. She's uh, won various fellowships and and has lots of different uh scripts and contests she's uh won the uh sherman oaks film festival last year with her uh pilot one one more day which is now a radio play on youtube which has forty two thousand plays and uh, she's again going to be in the sherman oaks film festival this year with her uh script uh where the men are so she's uh quite prolific and she has a lot to talk about and share with us i oh well i guess i yeah. do <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's let's start with the comedy since that's yes. how we met. Well, what came first? Was it the stand-up or the screenwriting? Um, well, I guess because I've been writing since I was 10, it would be the screenwriting, but I, you know, I grew up um in upstate New York and um my dad, I remember when um I was about 7 or 8, I couldn't fall asleep and uh, my dad came up and he's like, "Well, why don't you just start writing stories in your head. And so, um, and he goes, next thing you know, you'll go to sleep. And so literally I would just start writing stories in my head and I would fall asleep. But then the next night I couldn't wait to go to sleep because I wanted to continue the story that I had started the night before in my head. So then that progressed uh, after a couple of years of doing that to start writing like little short stories. And it was all about love and nobody liking me or wanting to hold my hand. So it was all <laughs> that kind of tortured soul thing as a, as a, as a tomboy, you know, but liking boys anyways. Uh, so, uh, so that went on and I, uh, I just fell in love with like a lot of television as a very early age. My dad also worked at the cable company, so it was easy for me to like watch a lot of TV because we had every channel, every channel. And, um, but I was so drawn, I was drawn to a lot of comedy, but I was also drawn to a lot of drama. Like my favorite TV show when I was a kid was Sane Elsewhere. And if you don't know that show, it's this very heavy drama about a struggling hospital in Boston in the eighties and like the inner city Boston. And so it had so much tragedy, but there was a lot of comedy in it. 
So every episode made me laugh, but then at the end it made me cry. And I'm like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. So I just knew I wanted to work in television and be a writer in television when I was 10. And, wow. and so from there, I didn't know how to do it because I was in the middle of upstate New York. I, you know, I was like, there wasn't the internet. There wasn't any kind of like books. Nobody in my town knew anything. So I, um, you know, my through my dad, I got an internship at the local uh, newspaper that had like a cable access show once a week. So I did that at 15. And then I went to community college. And my community college, luckily in my area, was in the top 10 of community colleges um, in the country. And our department was like highly regarded because of our, um, our, um, department chair, which was John Butchko. And he was amazing. He taught us everything. And he also said, when you, when you're not doing class things, just take the equipment and do your own project. So he like constantly, um, invested in us and like fostered that kind of like do it yourself kind of stuff. So I was creating music videos and all that, you know, and coming up with ideas and little stories and short films and stuff. And then I went away to what I like to call my sleepaway college, my university, um, <laughs> at SUNY New Paltz. And they had a great department, but they had the most important thing. They had a student-run television station. And that meant that we ran the club. We did everything. And so it was called WNPC. And I went in there uh, uh, my first day and I was like, I want to make a drama show. And they're like, okay, well, hold on and go to the, <laughs> go to the intro meeting and then we'll go from there. But I did. I ended up creating a uh, television series about my college, like a drama series. By the way, this is the the, the days of my so-called life and Felicity and all that. You know, it's like, so it was very much like a Dawson's Creek. So I very much made that kind of, uh, you know, story about my college. And so um, people are like, it was a soap opera. And, uh, but I made four episodes by myself, basically. About, wow. Yeah, so I wrote it. I started up writing like dialogue and scenes and everything like that, but then none of my and none of my friends who I had in the show would would have the time to remember their lines. So basically, I just wrote like uh, what was going to happen in each scene, and then I let them riff and improv, and it was great. And I ended up being really good. So were were you? Yeah. Did have you had classes in screenwriting at this point, or were you kind of self taught? I I did have classes. Like as far as the writing goes, I basically was self taught, and then uh, you know I would my mom would come back from something and go, "Here, look, I found this," and so she would give me like uh, she would uh, she got me a subscription to American Cinematographer, which was an odd choice, but. It, it had script pages in there. So I would like look and see how it was. And then I got examples of scripts. Like I physically got a copy of a script of a shooting script, which is hilarious because it has the numbers on it. So I wrote a, like, you know, my first chance, try writing a script. I wrote numbers on it, which you only do after you start shooting. But I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. So it was just that was a lot of self-taught. So then when I got to community college, they didn't have any screenwriting courses. When I got to university, they had like one or two. But literally, that was all self-taught. And there wasn't a lot of books out there as far as screenwriting goes at all, or at least any that I was, you know, that I had um, access to. So then as far as screenwriting goes, I got to LA after, uh, after graduation from my university. And, uh, from there 
I ended up starting working in production and working in production, you have access to like whatever production scripts you're on. So it was a lot of like definitely self-taught and every once in a while I would take a course here or there, but for the most part, it was just me reading scripts and then writing from there. And then once the internet, you know, like now I still learn today, like I, I will read articles from, there's a plethora of screenwriting websites that you can go to and you can learn stuff from and they always have quick articles about how to how to make great characters or how how to make snappy dialogue or whatever and so then I just I sort of read them all the time I've never taken a Robert McKee course I've never um you know I read the artist way but I didn't it wasn't anything that appealed to me as far as following it it literally for any writer, you just have to find your way. You filter in all the information and you boil it down and you digest it. And then you figure out how you write, how you write best to get out your stories. And so for me, because I didn't have formal training, I had to learn it myself. I, the way I do it, I don't do an outline. It's not who I ever do. Uh, it. I know a lot of people swear by it. You only have to do an outline. But for me, I like, I as long as I know the beginning and the end, I love the journey and discovering what happens between A to B. I love that middle part. I love not planning it out. I love seeing where my characters take me. And I, I've seen the post-it notes on your wall during the Zooms. <laughs> you, you do post-it notes, don't you? I or do. is that for your comedy? It's also for comedy. I do both. So I do post-it notes. I do a lot of notes. I do, when I get lost, if I'm writing a screenplay, I will eventually get lost. So like in the story. And so, and it usually happens around page 50 or 60. So then I write all the scenes down on cards and I lay them out and then I put in cards on scenes I know I need to get to and then the ending. And then I sit there and I'm like, okay, I have to filter. I have to put these scenes here. Like, so like, it's a lot of like checking back and forth. So it's a little bit of a, an outline at that time, but that's only after I've really exhausted the beginning and I've I know I know a lot of time. writers who do that they kind of dive in yeah get as far as they can and they know where the ending is and then they play this game of connect the dots between you know whatever the 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 end of the first act and the beginning of the third act they kind of like connect the dots and figure out where it goes yes and that's what I love about it is that I don't know where it's going I know a lot of writers get very nervous and they hate they they're like no I have to know where everything's going before I even write one ounce of dialogue and I'm like the whole point of dialogue is that it's natural and it's spontaneous. And that's what I love. And so I wouldn't want to have it all. Like maybe one line of dialogue takes me down a whole different road than the one I would have in my outline. And for me, I, I want that inspiration. I, I It's a more novelistic way to write, which is most novelists don't write out an outline. They start and they see where the characters take. And that's what I do as far as my screenplays go. And I, I love letting them figure figure out the story with me. So, um, so that's the fun of it for me. So, but then, you know, eventually you have to have the cards up and for my comedy. Yeah. I write down like when I know I am going to go do, uh, like I go on the road or I'm going to do an hour long, um, maybe a zoom show or whatever. I write out all my jokes onto three by five cards. So I just kind of put the title of each joke. And then I throw them up on the wall and then I rearrange them as to what a good set will be. And they're constantly changing because I'm constantly writing new jokes. So uh, it just depends on the time. And, and I went out on the road in, in September 
I got to do stand up in Wisconsin um, right before it got real bad there. And <laughs> coincidentally, yeah, hmm, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Wendy, <laughs> uh, I point Wendy there. <laughs> well, I get tested every week at work, so I am very negative. So that wasn't me. It wasn't me. Um, so I had to do a half hour every night, and one night I had to do two half hours, and it was. I'm not saying it was easy, but I had enough total enough material for both half hours clean. So it was awesome. Like it was just awesome to like sit and figure things out and, and go, Oh, I have this whole set and then I have this whole set and then I have this whole set. So, uh, so cards are very good for me as when I get to a point where my brain is too full of other information and then I put it down and then it's, it's good. It's have that visual markers are really good in, in organizing stuff. And I'm a Virgo. So like my brain needs that organization. I got like a Tetris kind of thing where I go here, I move this one here, that one there, that goes there, da, da, da. and that's the same with my screenwriting. That's so cool. I think you and I have something in common. We're both pantsers. Have you heard that term? No, what's that? Uh, I think it, it applies more to novelists, but it's like there's plotters and there's pantsers. Plotters are the outliners. Tom is a plotter. I'm a pantser, seat of your pants. Like, oh, what happens to I the characters? It. Yeah. So I was listening to you talk. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, we got that in common. <laughs> I think it it's, it makes Tom sweat to be like, where are my characters going? I'm like, I don't know. Let's put them here and see what happens. <laughs> I just love that kind of like, yeah, that surprise that I even surprise myself and I surprise the characters. I love that. That makes me so excited because I am because I am a Virgo. So many things in my life are very uh, mapped out because that's just how my brain needs to, to be control my life. Like I, mm -hmm. I map down a schedule of my week and then of my day and that kind of stuff. But then I let the, I let the, I let it just go when I write and when I do comedy. So comedy, I'll get it all planned out. But then once I get in front of the mic, I let it just go and see, and see where it is. And that's the fun part is because all of a sudden a joke will pop in my head that I didn't plan for, but it goes perfect with whatever I'm talking about now. So that's. That's what I love. That is awesome. Now, you have done a lot of fellowships and festivals. I'm looking at your bio here. So just as a sample, Warner Brothers, ABC Disney, Final Draft, Austin Film Fest. These are big names. And you've done them recently. So I'm curious. Well, I'm going to ask you a bazillion questions about fellowships. So get ready. But I'm curious, all these fellowships you were in, first of all, how did they impact your career? Well, um, um, I, the one I've owned, uh, the two fellowships that I've uh, got to the end and one was the Warner Brothers Writing Workshop in 2005. And the other one is the International Screenwriters Association Fast Track Fellowship that which was in 2017. Um, the, 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 the Warner Brothers one, it was great to get in. I mean, it was huge. It's a huge accomplishment to get in because so very few people get into it. And, um, it was supposed to be the kind of fellowship that then once you got through it, then uh, at least half, if not more, were then staffed and the fellowship paid for people to be on staff on different television shows so they could learn. And then from there, hopefully the show or other people will take them on as writers and you go from there. Unfortunately, my year was not a great year. Only one person out of the 15 of us got staffed. Um, I believe... I believe the people that ran it didn't run it the next year. Um, I think mm -hmm. that was a big thing that it maybe wasn't the best um, year for any of us. And we all kind of got boned. So that was a bummer because, you know, you work so hard to get into it and you get into it and then it's a bad year. So that was a bummer. Oh, I'm but, sorry to hear that. 
That's okay. Thank you. Uh, the first one I actually made the finals with was the ABC fellowship with my very first spec script, which was for uh, Six Feet Under. And that was amazing. And uh, they inter- they interviewed 11 of us for the finals and only took seven. And I wasn't one of them. So that was a bummer. <laughs> and I've, I've made the semifinals a couple of years on some of them, but on that one, um, but never made it through. Um, and then... Um, as far as Austin goes, yeah, I've been a second rounder twice with Austin, first in 19, 2018 and then this past year, 2020, and that was all virtual. So that actually was really cool because I got to meet a lot more people than I normally would had I been in Austin because you do meet people, you know, at all the different seminars and stuff like that. But they had a very cool thing where they had these kind of like meet up at the Driscoll Bar, which is uh, the bar in the hotel where the festival is held. And that's supposed to be where the big networking thing is. But it's very loud and it's very hard to kind of just walk up to somebody. But this on the on the Zoom, they had us break out into rooms and then we met a whole bunch of people and then we broke out and then every 15 minutes it changed up. So it was actually really good uh, as far as that goes. It was I met a lot of great people. Um, But that the Austin's really great because not only is it a conference just for writers, but it it you meet fellow people who are just on every different level um and like you and we all feel like this bond to like help each other through the world because we're all just trying to to do our craft which is be writers so that's incredible but okay so the best thing that has done something for my career has been the international screenwriters association it's called isa Mm -hmm. and when i won that fellowship in 2017 i honestly was Right before that, I was going to pack up everything and move to Austin to be with a boy because I thought everything in my life was dead here in Los Angeles. My marriage fell apart. I um I thought my career was over. I wasn't doing comedy. Hadn't done it for 10 years because I, you know, had fallen fallen in love with my ex-husband and it ruined my act. You know, so it um so I just was like, that's it, I'm done. LA's LA's I'm done with LA. And then that fellowship came through and I went, nope, nope. It was a sign. It was like this very specific sign, like, no, don't give up because this is what you're meant to do. So as soon as I got that, I got uh, six industry meetings with big people. Um, It was great. Uh, It was great um, practice and exposure. Nothing specific came out of that. The guy who won it with me, he actually got a manager out of it, which was great. And the people here. They've been uh, championing his scripts. I wasn't as lucky, but I'm part of the International Screenwriters Association um, network. And the next year they made me, uh, 2019, they made me uh, one of their uh, top 25 screenwriters to watch out for. And then they've taken on um, one of my scripts as uh, a development. Uh, So they're not an agency, but they constantly want to connect writers with other people, including managers, agents, production companies, directors, other things. So they're constantly putting people in the room together. And so they took on my my feature script, Where the Men Are, the one that has won a lot of awards and placed in a lot of other competitions. And they and they have this great deal where if they sell it, they get 10%. Or if I sell it, you know, I get it. But they, I actually have somebody who's behind one of my scripts right now. And that's like the most important thing. And it's amazing. And I love them. And they constantly are trying to get us. They're constantly sending our stuff out to people. Um, they're constantly trying to get opportunities for us involved. They have 
they have a lot of verified writing jobs that come through their website. And, um, and then I've applied to a bunch of them that one or two have like read some of my stuff, but like, they're the ones that have believed in me the most besides, uh, even when I didn't believe in myself and they, uh, they really just give a shit. I'm sorry, use that word, but they give a <laughs> <laughs> about writers and the writing and they actually see the potential, especially in people who have been ignored for a really long time. And that's I feel amazing. like I'm one of those. So. That's that's yeah. a true Hollywood story right there. <laughs> you know, that's great. Yeah, it's awesome. Now, you mentioned where the men are has done really has done really well. So I'm kind of curious when you're applying to all these fellowships or festivals, do you have a strategy? Like, how do you know which script to send or how to do the interview or what have you? Like, what's your strategy? Well, that's funny because there are so many out there now and there never used to be. There used to be like you would get like a a printed copy of a list of the top screenwriting, you know, competitions to apply for. And it had to be all through mail. And, you know, it was like really hard <laughs> to figure out. It was the early days of the internet and stuff. And so for me, I've been doing it for 20 years. So now it's like over all these years, you know, which ones to apply for. Now there's always, there's a top 10 or 15 that you, everybody applies to. And those are the big ones. Like um, those are the nickel fellowship through the Academy. That is it's blue cat. It is the page. Um, it is a script to Palooza. It is a final draft, big break. It's Austin is another huge one. So those are the ones you always, always apply to. And then there's all the other fellowships like NBC has a fellowship, ABC Disney has a fellowship, CBS has a diversity fellowship, Fox has one. It's not a yearly one like the other ones, but it, it comes and goes. Um, there is uh, like Warner Brothers, um, like ISA has it twice a year. So that's a, that's a good one too. So um, those, um, those you do, but like some of them, like NBC is like ne never going to take me because I'm actually too old now. Like, I know that everybody says, oh, the, you can't do, they can't do that or anything. But honestly, you could tell, like, it, some of these fellowships are never going to take you because I've been trying for years and then I never got in. And so then it ends up being a little bit, you, you it just, it's, you, you just kind of resign to the fact you're never going to get it. Um, but some of the other ones, you are really good and you just keep trying and something's going to come through. Um, because they really care. They really care. Like Universal now has a writing fellowship as well. And it's, um, it's a for the, for features and not necessarily for television. So that's a great one. Um, Nickelodeon has one too. That's, that's incredible. That's a incredible one. Anyways, my strategy is, is that I look and see every year who wins. And then I see the names that win. And I look and see the gender that wins. And a lot of these, a lot of the competitions, it's predominantly male that win. And they've done studies where when a name is not on a script and it goes through the judging process, half of those writers end up are women. When there are names on scripts, when they go through the judging process, only about a third or fourth are women. That, that is make it to the finals. And I make it to the finals. Wow. So I constantly look to see, and even on the big ones that I still apply to, it is predominantly men and it is frustrating to see that. And so, um, and, and then I will go and check out the people and it is predominantly white men. So it is a pervasive issue that happens in our industry, um, but it is changing. And also 
I put my money behind um, behind a lot of competitions that are very equal. Like one of them is the Creative World Awards. They are very uh, equal in in uh, men and females and in in winning the awards. And that's what I like to see. I'm like, okay, they give the same amount of weight to both scripts, um, both types of writers, which is awesome. And so um, when when I go into them, so I just kind of keep track. You just keep track of all that. You just kind of make a mental note and you go, okay. And then you also see what they are offering. You also see um, uh, what is the end result? Is it money? That's fine. Money's fine. But money is one thing, but exposure is another. So I'm going to put my money, my entry fee towards a competition that says, they're going to send my log line out to 200 companies. Nothing may come of it. And by the way, plenty of times I've won and nothing has come of it. And it, they've sent it out to industries. But you want your name to constantly be out there. So that's what you want to look for. You want to look for uh, competitions that will give you exposure. Money's fine, but that will give you exposure and that um, actively want to help you. There are good ones that also have table reads, like they have a live table read that you read. Uh, table read my scripts, one of them, um, that if you win, you get a live table read. And because those people, that organization does invite industry people, industry people do go. So there's that as well. Um, there are uh, other competitions that uh, they will have meetings with you or they will have phone calls. Like, so you just have to look for that. Um, the other good thing though, is you want to look for very specific screenwriting fellowship or uh, screenwriting competitions. Now, these are ones that aren't necessarily huge, but I had my, my radio play one more day is a, like a post-apocalyptic themed. So I submitted it to a couple of post-apocalyptic small screenwriting competitions and they won or placed in them. And that is good because you want to build your contest wins. You want to build that list of all these wins because a lot of little ones will impress a bigger one. And so you, you, you have to just be strategic in what you want to put your in. Just don't blanket everything. Read what the purpose is for each one of those um, screenplay competitions are and pick the ones that are the best for you. You know, some of the smaller ones also have either lower rates like, or, or sometimes even free yeah. to submit. Yeah. I did that with the film festival stuff for my short films. And yeah, it was, you know, they weren't huge, you know, festivals, but they were free or cheap to get in. Right. And then I won or placed. Right. And it was positive. Yeah. All, all wins are great. All wins are great. I also like, um, there's another competition that's incredible. It's called Studio Fest. And before the pandemic, their goal was we, uh, they took five uh, directors and five writers who made the finals. I had made the finals for their second year um, with my script. And then they invite you for a weekend. And then during that weekend, you do a panel, you do a reading of the first 10 pages of your script. Um, you get to network and talk to people and they put you up and everything. And during that weekend, you get to meet the judges and the judges pick one of the directors and one of the writers. And then they go on to make a micro budgeted 
film together the next year. And so I didn't win that, but I was part of that group. And so it's, and the micro budget is $50,000. So that's an incredible opportunity that there's nobody else doing that. And the, their first screenplay that they, the first duo that they picked, their, their film actually got sold and it's been playing a ton of festivals and winning awards. So you can make a film for five hundred or fifty thousand dollars, and then that could go on to launch your career. And these people are just so passionate that they just they like the ISA just want to bring writers and directors together to create, and then go on from there. And so it was such an incredible opportunity to be you know one of the finalists. Um, and so it's stuff like that that you want to look for, and you and that's a tiny little festival that was only in year two, but it's that's a huge, way more huger impact than some of these other festivals, including Warner Brothers. That nothing happened with me <laughs> there. So it's it's really it's really cool. You, you, I would, I would call you probably one of the busiest, hardest working uh, women writers, comedians in Hollywood, especially during a pandemic. You seem to have not slowed down at all, and I don't think you've let it slow you down, have you? Absolutely not. I mean, this is like the best time. The first six months, having all the time in the world for me to work on my stuff. Oh my God! I just uh, like I just finished this last weekend uh, a script that I started during the pandemic called uh, in. uh, it's a murder thriller, which I've never written before. And those are very detailed because you got to connect everything. So I was like, so excited about it. And I couldn't really concentrate super on it like I needed to if I didn't have the pandemic. So yeah, of course I had to do that. And then doing comedy every night, like people are like, how can you do both? I'm like, well, when I write comedy, my mind, it's a different part of my brain so that it, when I go to write my script, it actually helps. And they both help each other as far as uh, keeping my brain sharp. And then the ideas flow. I'm constantly, my mind is constantly sparking because I'm doing comedy and then I'm writing and back and forth. And so they help each other. And it's just been, it's been awesome for me to come back to comedy. And because I've seen my comedy go through the roof and I've seen my writing go through the roof because I now join forces in my brain with both sides of that. Yeah, you do open mics how many nights a week online? Well, I've lately I haven't because I've been trying to get the script done, but when I can, I usually do it at least six nights a week. I take one night Jeez. off. Yeah. Ugh. Well, it's so funny. You were lurking for so long, Tom, and it was great on, on Orchid's mic, and it was great. And then when you started, uh, I was like, and you actually started off very strong, but what you did was very smart, which is what I think we all do, is I didn't start doing comedy immediately. I We had a little comedy club at the Ramada Inn in Binghamton, New York, and I was in community college, and I knew I wanted to do stand-up, but I had no idea how to do it. And so I would go on Friday nights and the owner of the club would just let me pay my five bucks. He didn't make me do a two drink minimum. I just sat in the front row and I watched and he knew that's what I was doing. I was just trying to learn how to write a joke. And so, uh, and so that's exactly what you did. You sat and you watched and you learned and you saw all the different styles and all the different points of view. And you're like, okay, I, I now know how to write a joke. And the next big thing is making sure the jokes are funny. And then the next big thing after that is coming up with your own specific point of view. But you're ahead of the game because you you had you you studied like a student. You did the right thing. And now you're you're coming into your own. It's gonna take many years, but you're coming into your own and it's a 
I don't know that I ever will, will uh, progress to actually doing it like in front of people and that kind of thing. I mean, our group of tw- 10 to 20 comedians on a, on a open mic on zoom is one thing, but uh, I feel like it's been a good experience as far as learning comedy. And, and I've always felt comedy is very hard to write. So I feel like I've gotten better at that. I think it's helped in that respect. Well, you can just translate what you've been learning into a script, which is absolutely what I do. Like, Whenever I write a script, whenever, when I wasn't doing stand-up, all the jokes that I would write, I would just put in my scripts. And I still put in jokes now in my scripts, even though this is a murder thriller and it's supposed to be like, you know, heavy and a dramatic, there's a lot of comedy in it. And I'm happy with it because I came up with a joke for the character and I put it in there and it works, you know? That's awesome. I'm just imagining like, with your advice to Tom about just like lurking and watching, I'm imagining early career Wendy grabbing all the scripts from production and like sneaking them home. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Anytime I could get my hand on a script, I read it. Like I remember I got in college, some guy came through and he had he had these big like cushion pillow things that you could buy for your dorm you know, room for 25 bucks. But then he also had boxes of scripts. Like he had just made copies of scripts, you know, and this was in 1990 and I was, and they were five bucks a piece. And I bought uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I bought 16 candles and I bought Sex, Lies and Videotape. And I just read them cover to cover constantly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> Black market scripts. I love it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so what's uh what's up on tap for Wendy? What, what new projects are you working on? Well, I, um, I, uh, besides this murder thriller that I just finished the first draft of, and now it'll go off to all my friends to give me notes and that kind of stuff. And so I can shape it up for the beginning of the year, which there's a lot of big competitions that happen at the beginning of the year. So I want to have it very solid so I can submit to all those. Um, but beyond that, I ha I wrote, uh, and rewrote at the beginning of quarantine, uh, a half hour comedy um dramedy basically like like in the same vein as baskets and berry and smilf i wrote um a half hour <laughs> dramedy about me it's basically about a 50 year old woman who has to start over again in hollywood um and uh, it's modeled after me after getting divorced <laughs> um not having any kids and um, and then restarting her writing career and restarting her comedy career. And, uh, and it has a lot, uh, a lot of, um, fun stuff with, um, dealing with, which I don't think there is anything on television. There's a lot of stuff about people in their fifties who have kids and then they, they're venturing out into the world again, but it's not about people who chose never to have kids yeah. and who chose a career and are fine with that choice, never having kids. But then because they did it in pursuit of their passions and they felt, and so their, their passion never hit in their twenties, thirties or forties, but now they're in their fifties. And it's like the beginning of the second half of their life, which is just as important. It's like when you really start living. And so in examining that and also examining, um, sex as somebody in her fifties, uh, examining friendships in in your fifties and, and then career going after what you always believe you should be doing regardless of age. And so, you know, it tackles ageism, it tackles sexism, it tackles, um, you know, all, all kinds of stuff and also health, um, because there is a lot of health issues that really start to happen to a lot of people. Um, beginning in their 50s like you know, high blood pressure high cholesterol lady part issues which i've dealt with all my life 
Um, and, uh, and so I really wanted to examine the life of somebody in her fifties and, and then her group of friends, um, in this world that we live in, you know, that sounds like a really cool series. Thank you. Yeah. I, I want that. I, yeah, so. <laughs> it's definitely uh, overdue. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm doing my best to get it out there. It's, it's, uh, it's made the finals of a bunch of stuff. It hasn't won anything yet, but I'm, uh, I'm pushing it hard and I've written a show Bible and I might just do a little a teaser reel for it. Um, so yeah, so that's like my next big thing I want to do. That is awesome. And if people want to find you online, how can they find you? Oh, they can find, don't be, don't, okay, be careful because there's another Wendy Wilkins out there. <laughs> oh, that's from right. Australia and she got into SAG six months before me. So I had to put my middle name in there. But if you want to get me on Instagram, it's at Wendy Jean, which is my middle name, W-E-N-D-Y-J-E-A-N. And you'll see my little icon. I got some sunglasses on. And then on Twitter, which I don't use that much, um, Twitter does my brain in. It's not good for my Virgo brain. It is uh, at um, Wendy Loves Chewy. And I spelled Chewy wrong when I first signed up. So then it's C H E W Y. But it's my love for Chewbacca. So it should have been I E, but it, it's Chewy. Um, and then <laughs> and on Facebook, you can get me do Wendy Jean Wilkins, um, that you can find me there. And, uh, even though it's listed as Wendy Wilkins, but it says also known as Wendy Jean Wilkins. So that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So now you guys know how to find her online. Wendy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh my God. Thank you guys for having yeah, me. This is fun. fun. I, I'm a chatter, so I could have gone on for another hour. No, there's some <laughs> good stuff in there. So. All right. So guys, check her out online and we will see you in a few weeks.